0: Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Everybody say success. And then from first Samuel eighteen, verse fourteen. I'm actually going to read from the ESV. I neglected to tell the media people that. See what I do is I, I read all the versions until I find one that says what I want it to say. So, for Samuel 18:14 and David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him so by the help of the Lord I want to speak for a few moments on this idea success in the ministry or if I could put it in the form of a question what is success in the ministry and would all the ministers raise their hand that should be everybody That should be everybody, all the ministers. Come on, does everybody have a ministry? Everybody's got a ministry? Praise God. In the New Testament church, all the saints are ministers. Amen. And so I hope that this message will apply to all of us, but we dedicate it to these wonderful couples. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is my fear that too many have climbed the ladder of success only to find that when they get to the top, it's leaned up against the wrong building. It's my concern that one too many ministers is racing to the finish line only to find that it is a false finish line. Our culture is very driven to success. In fact, if you were to go to Barnes & Noble today, you'll find a success success section. And uh, there's every kind of book you can buy for dummies, right? That's my favorite section. I have a book in my library that even tells me how to be successful if I fail or when I fail. It's called How to Fail Forward. Some of you probably have it. But what is success in the kingdom of God? Success in the kingdom of God is measured much differently than the world measures success. Some people in this world think that if you had the wealth of Bill Gates and the physique of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the intelligence of Albert Einstein and the athletic prowess of LeBron James, That traitor. I know where I am, praise God. If you just had the business acumen of Donald Trump, or the social poise and graces of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, or the heart of Mother Teresa, if you could roll all of that into one person, you would be guaranteed to be successful. But we know in the kingdom of God that none of those attributes alone make you successful in the eyes of God. First of all, I would like to say that true success in the kingdom of God is not a location. It is not a place. Success in the kingdom of God is not a situation that you finally arrive at. True success in the kingdom of God is not a destination thing, but it is a daily thing. Because success in the kingdom of God is a journey. It's a process. Sometimes we confuse success with recognition. We honor people. In fact, we're honoring, you might say, these candidates tonight. And it may appear that they have achieved some epitome of success. But I say no. Yes, they are being recognized tonight. But the day that these ministry couples were successful is not by being crowned with ordination and getting their certificate signed by David Bernard and Jerry Jones and Mark Jordan in the mail. But their success began the day that they said yes to the call of God upon their life. In fact, it even began before then when they placed themselves in a spiritual context where they became candidates to be called by God. We love to pray a hundred people through, a thousand people through, ten thousand people through. To the Holy Ghost. Those events are wonderful. Those moments are, without a doubt, unforgettable. But that's not success. It's not success to have a a Sunday of 25 receiving the Holy Ghost. That's a wonderful thing. But without the follow-up discipleship, without committing to those babes in Christ, without committing them to a process of taking a journey and learning how what it means to be a Christian and how to live a sanctified and a separated life unto God we confuse events with success and we overestimate events and we underestimate the process to a great extent in our pentecostal circles i'm happy to say that last year we graduated at our church in Kansas City, 53, from a 26-week class of discipleship. And as of the end of December of last year, four nine were still coming to church and endeavoring to be children of God. Now, my friend, I don't know about the number, but I can say that the result is success. Praise God. They asked a pop star sensation recently who just seemed to come out of nowhere. They asked him how it felt to be an overnight success. He said, my overnight success took me 30 years. You see, David, the Bible says, was successful in every endeavor because God was with him. And my friends, if you walk with God, you are a success. If you walk with God. I don't know that Enoch ever preached a revival. I don't know if he ever had a convert. I don't know if Enoch ever made a splash, but there was something about the walk that that man had with God in an unprecedented generation of wickedness. He stood for the Lord. And even in a day without a Bible, without a choir, without a pastor, without a church, he walked with God. And he was not. God said, this world isn't even worthy of you. It's time for you to come home. My friend, that's success. David was successful not just the day that he was crowned king, but David was successful the day that he began the journey to the throne. That was the day. David was successful the day that his father looked at his eight boys and said, all right, you, the little one, the runt, the ruddy-complected one, I want you to go take care of the sheep. It's your job now. And David goes out in the middle of nowhere. And he learns to worship. He learns to allow his gift to operate. Even when no one was looking. Even when there was no audience. Even when there was no crown on his head. Sometimes... It's at least my observation that people, not always, but eventually become recognized for the gift that God has already given them. They're already functioning in it. They're already flowing in it. They're already operating in it. And I want to tell somebody tonight, don't you be discouraged because you feel like you're on the backside of somewhere or nowhere... And there's no audience and there's no great congregation. I might be preaching to a preacher who says, you know, I feel like I could lead a thousand. And I've only got 55 in Sunday school. But my friend, praise God, start acting like a pastor of a thousand. Hallelujah. I say, you've got it. If you feel like you've got it, then you've got it. Hallelujah. It's only a matter of time and it's going to come to fruition. Come on, turn to somebody, give them a high five and say, it's only a matter of time. Glory. I believe what I'm preaching to you tonight. Amen. You know, the Bible says that John the Baptist was baptizing. And John 1, I think it's verse 28. And suddenly the Holy Ghost comes on John and he said, there's one among you. That you know not. Apparently, Jesus had been walking in the crowd for at least a day or two. And then the next verse, it was the next day, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, said, Jesus Christ, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. And I wonder who is among us tonight. Praise God. Brother Jordan, I wonder who is among us tonight. I don't even remember who said it tonight. I think somebody already said it tonight. Everything we need is here. Amen. Everything we need to have revival is here. Every ministry we need is already in the Ohio district. Every dollar we need to do what God wants us to do is already here. Amen. Every gift and every calling. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to you tonight what success is in the kingdom of God. I'm saying that there are some among us tonight that have been walking among us, and it's only a matter of time, and the sure hand of God is going to come upon you. It's going to be your coming out party. It's going to be your time to be recognized. Glory! David was leading Israel before he ever was king. He killed a giant. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible calls him a mighty man of valor before he ever killed a giant. Read your Bible. The people knew his destiny and they sang about it. Even to the chagrin of their own king. They said... Our king is slain a thousands, but David is ten thousands. Glory. The sure hand of God is upon you. The Lord has seen you in your, pre- in your prayers. The Lord has been there to catch every tear that fell off the end of your chin. As you sobbed your weight through pain and misunderstanding and frustration. And the Lord is saying that this night His sure hand will come upon you, yea, in a measure that it is yet to come upon you. When the hands are laid upon your head, it will be your crowning moment. But it's not the day that you were successful. You are simply being recognized for your sacrifice. God has called you, but men are saying now, we see that there is no turning back for you. We see that you have put your hand to the pile, and there is no turning back. We have come to give you whatever it is that we have. You have the favor of God. And if you have the favor of God, nobody can do anything about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have the favor of God, everybody may not like it. If you have the favor of God, you might have enemies. If you have the favor of God, there might be some who may be jealous of you. But I'm going to tell you, if you can keep a humble spirit, if you can keep a right heart, if you can keep a contrite spirit before God, amen, if you've got His favor, nobody can stop you. Amen. They can't defeat you if you've got the favor of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So success is not a place that you arrive, but it's a process we commit ourselves to. Amen. How many are still in the process? How many are still on the potter's wheel? Praise God. Success in life is, in ministry, is being willing to do things that no one else is willing to do and doing them when no one else is watching. Since I'm here in Ohio, I want to tell you Ohio's story. Ohio blessed me. This district took me in and loved me. I'm forever indebted to Brother Tom Duvall, who was the pastor at West Jefferson, Ohio. We went to preach, my wife and I, we went to preach. I was 22, she was 21. And uh, he invited us to come and preach a revival. In fact, I think it was Clark Baker, who was one of my classmates from Bible College. He was in the class of 1978 with Brother Pasley and I. And, and I think it was Brother Baker, if I'm not mistaken, who said to Brother Duvall, why don't you have Stan and Marlene Gleason come in and preach a youth week for you. And while we were there, he invited us to come and stay on staff. And we were so excited. We were all enamored with, you know, somebody wanted us. And we'd already preached a week, and he still wanted us. And we were all excited, and I called a couple friends around the country just to celebrate our new assignment. They said, "Well," I said, "We're settling down." They said, "Where?" We said, "West Jefferson, Ohio." They said, "Where's that?" I said, "Well, what's the name of the pastor?" They said, "Tom Duval." They said, "Who's that?" Well, you know that could have discouraged me. You mean I'm going to a church off the radar? You mean I'm going to go serve a pastor that nobody a state or two away has ever heard of? But you see, in my, and I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you my story. Amen. We went to that precious church. In fact, it had been pastored at one time by my pastor, S.G. Norris. Isn't that right, Brother Newstrand? Amen. I knew I was right about that. And so we just rolled up our shirt sleeves, and we got involved. <clears throat> they didn't have Bible quiz. I came to be the youth pastor, but they didn't have a Bible quizzing team, so we started Bible quizzing. And they didn't have a choir, so we started a Sunday night choir. And they didn't have a quartet, so we started a men's quartet. And they didn't have a youth ensemble, so we started a youth ensemble. And they didn't have anybody teaching Bible studies, so we taught Bible studies, and we won in three years, we won five families, mom, dad, and kids, and by the time we left, they were all on the pews, and they were involved in ministry, and they were paying their tithes! <clears throat> Praise God. Success is not attaching yourself to something that has great honor. Jesus himself could have been born as God Almighty. He could have been born in the greatest city in the world. But the prophet said, Bethlehem thou Ephraim, though thou be thousands, um, though thou be little among the thousands in Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth who is to be ruler in all Israel. Jesus was born in a city of no account. The great God of glory. Chose to be born in a place that had no reputation. And then he was raised in a city where Nathaniel said, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Which is not a negative as much as it is that Nazareth was a city of no consequence. Nothing ever significant ever happened in Nazareth. And yet... Our greatest example was born in No field and was raised in no goodsville and he didn't look for great things to attach himself, but he went to places of no honor and he brought honor. hallelujah. Hallelujah. He went to places of no honor, and he brought honor. Whoever heard of Alexandria, Louisiana, until G.A. and Vesta Mangan rolled up their shirt sleeves? Whoever heard of Raleigh, North Carolina, until Wayne and Patsy Huntley went there? And there's a lot of cities that we could name, but people that went to places that had no Pentecostal heritage or honor, but they engaged in the ministry, and every day they labored until God blessed them with revival. Anybody can join their their themselves to a chariot that's on the move. Praise God. You know in Pentecost we celebrate Azusa Street. Thank God for Azusa Street. But that place was a dump. Three twelve Azusa. It was a horse stable, for crying out loud. They said they never did get the smell out of that place. What was it that honored the place? Was it the address? No, 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 no. It was the prayer. It was the fasting. It was the sacrifice. It was the labor. Amen. It was the toil. It was the humility. And I say, God's looking for other humble places. God's looking for other places. Come on. Amen. I said, God's looking for a city where He can do that again and beyond. God's looking for a place. Amen. Where the people are saying, you know what? We're not much, but we're all we got. We're going to get heaven's attention. We're going to pray until the angels show up. We're going to pray till there's miracles and wonders inside. We're going to pay a price to be successful in the kingdom of God. And that is simply by honoring Him. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands again to the Lord and praise Him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love the story of the high school baseball player who lived in a town of 500 people, and he had 85 in his high school class. He asked his coach one day, he was a pretty good ball player, and he said, Coach, I want to be a professional baseball player. But I live out here in a cow town. There's no scouts that ever come by here. How could how will they ever find me? And the coach knowing he placed his hand on the young man's shoulder. He said, "Son, if you can play, they'll find you." And I've come to tell somebody tonight If you can pray, heaven will find you. Jesus said, go into the closet and shut the door. And your heavenly Father that sees you in secret will reward you openly. I'm saying it somebody's getting ready for an open reward. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting ready to get blessed. God has seen you go behind and close that squeaky door and lock it behind you, and your heavenly father has seen your travail. If you can pray, heaven will find you. Forgive the another sports analogy, but nobody ever heard of the six eleven blonde basketball player from French Lick, Indiana. But every day he took 500 shots from a grass court toward a crooked basketball hoop attached to a weather beaten backboard in Cowtown, USA. And 15 years later, Larry Bird had won three NBA titles and multiple league MVP awards. My friends, don't cut corners. Don't cheat the process. Former heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Spoken Joe Frazier said, you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the lights are turned on, you're in the ring and you're down to your reflexes. If you cheated in the darkness of the morning, you're being found out now under the brightness of the lights. Praise God. I think I just got to preach that for a minute. Come on. I think sometimes in Pentecost we get caught up with talent and, and thank God for the talent and, and, and the, and the music was beautiful here and, 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 and oratory and communication skills and God knows we need as much of that as we can and thank God for education and, and all of the things that God has blessed us with. But you can't cheat in the darkness of the morning. Hallelujah. You can't cheat on your prayer time. You can't cheat on spending time in God's Word. You can't cheat on living a sacrificial life before God. Because when the lights are turned on, you're going to be found out. You're going to be there without any power and without any anointing and without any favor and without any glory of God. Oh, I want you to know, my friend, it's time to get back to burning. Praise God. To me, this is just kind of my little message of what success in the kingdom of God is. Success is knowing my purpose in life. It's growing to reach my maximum potential. It's sowing seeds today that will benefit others tomorrow. Now, let me fine-tune it just a little bit more as I bring this message to a close. On that note. Success to me in the ministry is having the people closest to me love me and respect me the most. I want my colleagues' respect. I want the respect of my general superintendent. I want the respect of the congregation that I'm honored to serve But when it's all said and done, the only thing I really have in this world is Jesus. And the only thing I really have is my wife and my children. I love the church I serve. I love the United Pentecostal Church. But I am not indispensable. I could be replaced tomorrow as the pastor of the Life Church. I could be replaced tomorrow with the the office that I serve right now. There's somebody else out there that can do a better job than I. But I don't have another family, and they don't have another husband, and they don't have another dad. When I get old and gray, well, at least old. I'm working on that too. I got my first senior discount last week. When I come to the end of my journey, who's going to be there to take those last steps with me? i tell you what, Brother Bernard's not going to be there to hold my hand. The banker I made all those mortgage payments to isn't going to be there to hold my hand. I'll tell you who's going to be there. Marlene, Justin, his wife, Anna, hopefully some future grandkids. Marissa, who's now engaged. To a Badger, literally and figuratively, he's from Wisconsin, his last name's Badger. (laughs) And he's a Packer fan. There's trouble ahead. And then my own two grandchildren... (laughs) <laughs> Michaela's 16 Caleb's 14 Tall as I am now i tell you what changed my life Was the day I looked into my dad's face The last time I saw him alive Here was a man that in his prime Was 215 pounds A robust man Full of life and he had cancer and he fought it for four years and ten months. And we asked everyone to leave the house and we were so thankful they all came by. But around that bed was around dad's bed was mom, Gary, Pat, Pam, and Stan, just the way it used to be. And you know what, Brother Jordan? There were no hatchets to bury, there were no axes to grind. There were no hemorrhaged relationships to repair. There was no I'm sorry's or will you forgive me's. Everybody was there. My dad always kept short accounts. Praise God. He looked at us. and He said, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May His face shine upon you. And may you be blessed. I looked around that room that day. And I said, I want this. This is success. This is success. I want to be married to that woman for 56 years at least, like he was. I want my kids to be there. Listen. I thank God for every office I've been able to serve. I thank God for every accolade anybody ever sends my way. But we can never believe our press clippings. We can never be seduced into thinking that success is to become somebody or something. Real success is to have your relationships right. Real success is to have a wife that's crazy about you and kids that respect you. Real success is to be the thing that you are up here when you go home. God forbid the day, I don't know how many cars from your driveway end up in your church parking lot, but we got five. We need a parking lot just for the Gleason family. And many times my, my, my baby son Caleb goes home with his mother. God forbid the day he would drive home with mom and say, Mom, who was that guy behind the pulpit today? He sounded a little bit like Dad. To me... That success. Now, let's stand in the presence of God. I want to bring it down just a little bit closer. Hanging on the cross at the age of 33 and one half years in the prime of life Not an old man. Not a man who had a long tenured career in the ministry. Only 42 months long. He said, It is finished. Don't you want to walk up to that cross and ask Jesus, It's finished? You're you're only 33. Are there no more miracles to work? Are there no more teachings to give? Are there no more revelatory parables to impart? Are there no more dead to raise? Lepers to cleanse? How could you say it's finished? Paul said it too. I finished my course. What do you mean, Paul? No more letters to write? We're still reading them 2,000 years later. No more churches to plant? No more nations or continents to open with the gospel? No. I finished my course. How could they say it? It's very simple. They could say it because there is never enough time to do your will. But there will always be enough time to do the will of God.